how you get there i do not know mm-hmm. but you have to believe in yourself mm-hmm. there are going to be moments mm-hmm. um if you are that person who would um, who would want to change who would want to say see change around you so you have to become that change mm-hmm. uh, very well said that's that's really important mm-hmm. and in order to do that uh, you have to believe in what you see mm-hmm. and you have to cultivate that internal strength resilience to carry yourself mm. through mm. Mm. all those hurdles that are going to crop up on your path mm. and you have to learn to be extremely patient to mm. deal with um, mindsets mm. Mm. extremely patient in gaining trust mm-hmm. in being able to establish an open communication between people between cultures the success in the internal world yes. precedes the success yes. of the, in the external world. world and in our culture the success in the out, external world is called vijaya mm-hmm. and the success the self conquest or the self realization of potential is called jaya mm. so jaya has to be the very first the foundation foundation so that that vijaya yeah welcome all to the security chips podcast of tsai wherein we talk all things cyber i am tejesh chintalpati your host and i'm joined by ms priyamada uh, she is leads uh, the cyber security uh, group at uh, um, at the posh bgsw i'm honored um, to have her and then she has 25 years of rich experience uh, bringing in automotive security shaping automotive security not just in india um, and 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 certainly at bosch but also globally uh, it's an honor to have you ma'am uh, with us So Priya could you uh, take us back into a journey where you started how you started and where you are at the moment and could you just on a very high level give us a brief about your journey so far mm-hmm. I spent near more than 25 years in the IT industry mm-hmm. but a large amount of it um I would say over 18 years mm-hmm. have been in the area of cybersecurity I started out as a software engineer with Bosch mm-hmm. and then uh, after a stint in software development mm. and management and delivery mm. i got an opportunity to move into information security and privacy okay that was when bosch had started uh, with uh, working with the data protection act or the privacy act mm-hmm. and they were putting in place governance for this throughout the bosch world mm. and my um, superior or my boss then had the responsibility for india and southeast asia okay so we had to uh, put in place information security and privacy governance in india and in southeast asia which was a large region mm. with several bosch offices and plants spread across mm. southeast asia meant um, indonesia vietnam malaysia thailand. singapore thailand mm. yeah and india certainly yeah all of the divisions of india and washwood so that was my very first uh, introduction to cyber security mm. i spent nearly 6 years putting this governance in place mm. oh, so this is essentially working out of india or working out of india fantastic and uh, was there a mentor for you because i feel 18 years before cyber security is still in in, in its infancy right yes. so how did you even get started what's your motivation uh, then it was not even called cyber security right. and it's uh, the primary purpose was the was the privacy part of it right. 
making all the regions in Bosch aware mm. of privacy mm. and information security came along with it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So to, that was the way we really started out there. And uh, Bosch has this uh, system of um, corporate organizations. True who set policies mm -hmm. and governance mm -hmm. and they essentially acted as mentors for us okay yeah okay so we got information from them we understood the policies mm. procedures mm. and we also had examples to look up to mm -hmm. and then we started introducing it in our region right learning on our own mm -hmm. as to how this could be done in this region and how it could be done better Oh, fantastic. So essentially, you started, right, in, in our opinion, um, this, the whole of cybersecurity, certainly at Bosch and um, um, to some degree uh, in we India. We were two of us then. Right. I was the second one. That's fantastic. And who, who's, who's the first one? Uh, my boss. He's retired. Okay. He's okay. no longer with Bosch. Okay. But he was, he was the data security officer at that time. That's fantastic. The position was called the data security officer and mm -hmm. we were a part of the data security office. That's fantastic. So. Um, what are some of the challenges, right? So essentially, when you started 18 years before, it was virtually, the industry was virtually non-existent. Yes. So what are the, some of the initial challenges that you faced? Uh, the reason that we are asking this question is, uh, for example, whatever you faced 18 years um, ago are probably some of the challenges that uh, some of us are facing uh, when, for example, establishing something uh, like what you did for uh, cybersecurity, but in the quantum domain, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, in any em emerging technologies, mm -hmm. right? So so what, in, in your opinion, are some of the challenges, initial challenges that you faced um, in shaping up the industry uh, that was non-existent um, when you were starting? Privacy was an alien concept right. uh, in the Indian and the Southeast Asian context. Oh, true. Do you, do, you feel, do you still feel it's the case now? Certain aspects of it, yes. Right. Um, the historical origins of privacy uh, in Europe are quite different mm -hmm. and we have not had such history. Mm -hmm. And where the relevance for us connects mm -hmm. is with the with the introduction of information systems mm -hmm. and the data processing uh, happening on information systems mm -hmm. and what all could go wrong with it. Mm -hmm. That is where the relevance of privacy for us comes into place. Mm -hmm. And a large part of it, I would say that would be very applicable uh, for the Indian context. And that's something that finds resonance with the users mm -hmm. is the identity theft part. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, there are historical aspects of privacy, which I'm sure many in our region would not connect mm, mm, mm. the origins of uh, the idea of privacy. Mm, mm. The idea of privacy of the West is not something our people would connect to. Mm. The individuality, I mean, the uh, and the privacy aspect, mm -hmm. our, our societies don't connect to it. Mm -hmm. But to us, this is quite relevant in the in the relationship with information security, mm -hmm. cyber security, and mm -hmm. identity theft, mm -hmm. protection of one's identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you um, even start it looking at, for example, something like building a team, right? That that would uh, that would work for you and execute some of your vision um, uh, that was set forth for you. So who, what are some of the challenges that you faced in uh, building uh, building up a team to the size it is now, like 250 to 300? You, uh, you must have some good and bad experiences, for, for example, um, finding the first manager, finding the first engineer. Uh, so could you could you share some of those information with us? Well? Now, between this um, 
point where I was working in the data security office right. to the point uh, that I have come now, right. there is a connecting story. Mm. Yeah, Would love to know about it. Yeah. Uh, I guess in the year it was, uh, was it 2008? It, in 2008, mm-hmm. we had a new president who came over to our division of Bosch. Mm. And he had, um, he had um, the feel for the topic of cybersecurity. Right. He could see that this would be very relevant in the, con- relevant in the connected world. Mm. Mm. So we were just talking about privacy information security at that point mm-hmm. in time. But he came to it from the angle of the automotive industry. Right. He was seeing, uh, not in our region, but mm-hmm. in the region that he came from, mm-hmm. uh, Europe, mm-hmm. he was seeing vehicles getting connected right. to right. the internet. Right. This is 15 years before. Yes. Around, okay. around the yeah. date I gave you. Sure. 2007-8-ish. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe I had to have it uh, yeah, that's, that's not fine. precise. Okay. okay. Um, he also knew that these high-end cars mm-hmm. had over 100 electronic control units inside right. the vehicle, which right. are all internetworked inside the vehicle. Mm. And these were now getting connected mm-hmm. to the internet for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be plainly for infotainment. Mm-hmm. It could be plainly for personalization of the settings mm-hmm. inside the vehicle. Many, many use cases. Mm-hmm. But he did. He was able to see that uh, this would be a threat vector mm-hmm. inside the vehicle. Right. And Bosch being a company which made a lot of these ECUs, we mm-hmm. are the world's uh, largest tier one supplier, mm-hmm. supplies mm-hmm. to OEMs. Mm-hmm. He saw the possibility of an attack mm. into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where cyber security gets shaped. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Until now, I was talking about information, information security, security and privacy. Right. And this is where cyber security begins. Right. That is protection from internet. Hmm. And with this in view, um, he saw that many of us were working, we were engineers, we were engineering these electronic control units, mm-hmm. and he felt that we needed greater awareness. Mm-hmm. So he was looking at standards to implement. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, we had the ISO 27001. So we were the first unit in the Bosch world to go for the standardization. Wow. This was a very large uh, scope project. He mm-hmm. wanted everything, uh, you implemented. know, implemented and all controls. But that was his definition of it. Okay. The not an easy task, mm-hmm. but we did our best. Mm. Yeah. So within, uh, I think, 18 months, we got our unit um, certified for ISO 27001. Fantastic. Yeah? And uh, his impression was he would get automotive security through this certification. Okay. Which was not completely true. Mm, mm. So during these uh, the certification, what we saw was our engineering teams um, had requirements. Mm-hmm. Those requirements had sections called as security. Mm-hmm. But more, most often than not, those would be blank. Right. Right. Those would be left blank. Right. right. So. Essentially, all that we did was not boiling down to electronic control units mm-hmm. and cybersecurity mm-hmm. requirements in there. Mm. So uh, next, his uh, next his idea was how do I solve this? Mm. What is behind this? Mm-hmm. How do I solve this? Mm. So at that point in time, there were some works coming out out of Germany which mm-hmm. were talking about this problem. Mm. Um, uh, there was the startup uh, in the Bochum, which came out of the Bochum University. Mm-hmm. Today it's called Script. Mm-hmm. Who were talking about um, automotive security? Automotive security. They were talking about immobilizers. Mm-hmm. They were wow. talking about certain constructs that were present and how that would not be sufficient mm-hmm. uh, for the future vehicles, mm-hmm. etc. Most of these works used to be in German. Mm. 
and he was interested in them and he would uh, get those books mm. have a discussion on this topic and mo- and whenever he spoke about it cyber security was pretty remote for people at that time and <laughs> not many gave him uh, the kind of attention it deserved so he <laughs> would talk about that topic <laughs> Uh, with an intention that somebody would tell him a little bit more about it or mm-hmm. he would take it uh, mm-hmm. to the next step mm-hmm. and whatever information he got and he was talking about it uh, that got me curious mm-hmm. i i started working on that mm-hmm. subject mm-hmm. without really knowing where it would go yeah of course there was it was non existent at that time non existent so i would spend uh, you know my uh, burn midnight oil to go through these german, german books translate them to myself wow. look at those phd works mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, he also gave me this as a career development topic okay. for further mm-hmm. and uh, i went through a lot of literature that was available to me at that point mm-hmm. in time in this country mm-hmm. unlike mm-hmm. as on today and what uh, what i could see was there were quite a few technologies mm-hmm. solutions mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. all of this uh, would not really come into that ultimate electronic control units okay unless you had a way of doing cyber security in engineering right that is requirements design sdlc software, uh, software the entire the sdlc yeah. in the embedded domain right and also the ecu domain mm. where you know reliability real time system safety yes. all of these are uh, paramount are paramount and crucial and you also had to know a way to find out which were your cyber security requirements how mm. do i really come out with requirements yeah there's no standard as such you just can't write right. stuff right 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 it right. of course all of it costs money yes. all of it costs time for because in the automotive uh, area the latencies are really important <laughs> a certain uh, work has to finish within a given milliseconds microseconds nanoseconds scale yeah True. So naturally those who are already working in that field when you bring something new like this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they would be apprehensive about it and the typical cryptographic operations mm-hmm. uh, at that at that time mm-hmm. were memory intensive processor mm-hmm. intensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so the, what we are talking about are resource constraints systems in a safety domain the safety passenger safety is important mm-hmm. yeah again within its own network yeah which on which you had uh, add additional requirements mm. would be stress pressure fast <laughs> all of it yeah okay mm. so that was uh, that time so uh, we wrote this paper and meanwhile uh, through some investigations we also so <laughs> there was a project working on it mm-hmm. um, on putting up a software crypto library for a use case like ours okay and also putting in a hardware security module in place mm-hmm. for applications like ours mm-hmm. and to that project i took my proposal mm-hmm. saying that we would require something similar to an engineering process which mm. could be a bosch security engineering process mm. in the future mm-hmm. and we would need an approach to come up with requirements mm-hmm. we did have some uh, references with the microsoft sdlc mm-hmm. and we had some but that was far away here yeah. you are dealing with state machines you are yeah, dealing sure. with hardware you are dealing with software yeah. so we will have to have a consensus based approach to come up with requirements mm-hmm. and put them in there mm-hmm. and take them to completion mm-hmm. so this idea was accepted mm-hmm. i already started working with the corporate research team mm-hmm. and then once um, a point came when mr had to move out mm-hmm. uh, of his current role and position back mm-hmm. to germany mm-hmm. 
Then a whole lot of things happened, after which I found a home for my project on the corporate top project team. In, in Germany. Germany. Yeah. Okay. So, so I had to move out of India mm-hmm. uh, to join that team in Germany. Fantastic. Uh, and work on it. I worked on it for two years where mm-hmm. the very first draft of the Bosch SAP was made. Wow. And the threat and risk analysis procedure that would give out the requirements were made. So by that time, the top project finished. Mm-hmm. We had a competence center in which this work would be continued mm-hmm. to make these two a Bosch norm or a right. regulation inside mm-hmm. Bosch, which was approved by the board and wow. You could implement it. So How this took another four years. So wow. two years at corporate research mm-hmm. to come up with the blueprint. Mm-hmm. And then another two and a half years to publish this as a norm, mm-hmm. where it's uh, given to all divisions. They give their comments. Around 600 comments came back. We mm-hmm. processed them. Mm-hmm. Then finally, there were these uh, internal regulations, which mm-hmm. were signed off by the board. Mm-hmm. And it became a Bosch norm. That's fantastic. So this was much before any standard uh, in this domain has, yes. has, has come through, right? So uh, did you also participate in something like a standard development um, uh, based off of, of what you did at Bosch mm. and then essentially um, uh, taking it forward to all the industry in general, right? So uh, what are your experiences in, in uh, essentially shaping up standards uh, for in, specifically in automotive security um, and how has that um, journey uh, um, started and then how, how how is it progressing as of today? There are certain things that you see for yourself. Right, um, Mr. right. Mr. saw certain things for mm-hmm. himself. Right. And those who put the top project down, mm-hmm. they too mm-hmm. saw something and mm-hmm. they started work on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I too saw something in it, mm-hmm. but not the rest of the world needs to see it. Right. To right. them, it is an additional process. It's an additional <laughs> cost. It's an additional overhead. Yeah. Yeah, all of this. Yes. All of this together. Yes. So um, we first made the Bosch uh, norm norm. And, for, and, and certain events in the world also have to help you. Right. So right. the moment I moved to uh, top 67 mm-hmm. in, in the year 2011, mm-hmm. we had the very first academic paper published on it, which okay. was the University of Washington paper, which mm-hmm. looked at attacking a vehicle mm-hmm. um, through the OBD port mm-hmm. and all of it. And made some success with it. For our audience, would you tell us what an OBD port is? The European pollution norms, if they have to be uh, met. Compliant. You have to be compliant to them. Your very traditional diesel injection, the IC kind of system wouldn't work. Mm, mm, mm. You would need a whole lot of electronics and yeah. software True. to uh, make that precise injection so that mm. <laughs> the pollution could be uh, in know, control. In control. So, um, OBD port is a way for you to monitor this. Mm-hmm. You could um, put in a tester mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. this, which would directly connect to the vehicle's internal network. Mm-hmm. And you are able to do this emission check. I guess okay. that was the very origins of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Later, since it gave you the access to mm-hmm. the vehicle at <laughs> a larger scale, mm-hmm. you started using your... Getting creative with it. Uh, creative. <laughs> Yeah, so right. that's uh, so. Uh, you had then later you had the infotainment systems. You, they got a USB port. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was also in turn connected within the uh, vehicle, and you also mm. got creative <laughs> <laughs> with that. So yeah. the University of Washington paper looked at these aspects, right. and they right. came out with um, a possible way in which um, this can be abused. 
this could be abused yeah. but even then the industry said it's it's very difficult you couldn't really do it remote you mm. need to mm-hmm. have a physical access right 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 to the car uh, to the vehicle to the vehicle to mm. the vehicle now if, um Bosch has started doing it but mm-hmm. we also know that the industry has to also do it right right certainly yeah a typical automotive supply chain consists of 30 members yes. in it yes, yes. and you alone do it doesn't help yeah. all of them Certainly also not. have to be on yes. board yes, yes. so uh, we had the bosch norm and just then um, an initiative had started in united states mm-hmm. under sae mm-hmm. it was called the sae j3061 mm-hmm. and they came to cyber security from the automotive safety angle okay Uh, this was also one thing that mr picard was saying there's no safety without cyber security it's a layer you need underneath <laughs> so that you to enable safety uh, to enable safety right so they came to this from that perspective mm-hmm. and they wrote down what mm-hmm. cyber security is needed to ensure safety mm-hmm. through this mm-hmm. guidebook uh, mm-hmm. which is a non binding uh, guidebook mm-hmm. called sa j3061 guidelines mm-hmm. Yeah, they called it the guidebook okay. at that point in time, okay. and they essentially put down how these two communities need to interact. Whatever was known at that time mm-hmm. was put into this. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I got nominated on that panel, and mm-hmm. I used to join these calls mm-hmm. remotely, and mm-hmm. also would bring in the knowledge that I knew mm-hmm. onto the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. Now, J thirty sixty one also had on its panel the NHTSA, the National Highway. transport authority of united mm. states mm. and they were monitoring uh, the situation mm. so they used to have members of nitsa participating mm. over there and one day i get an email from uh, nitsa saying that um, <clears throat> uh, we hear you on the panel you are talking about uh, cyber security um, mm. we have a feeling that you know something mm-hmm. quite uh, mm-hmm. uh, quite well mm-hmm. Uh, what have you done in bosch can you show us mm. what you've done in mm. bosch mm-hmm. so we had the bosch sap to show yeah of course so uh, they asked uh, could you come over to united states mm. and present this mm-hmm. so in the year 2015 um, in michigan mm-hmm. in escar conference mm-hmm. the bosch sap was presented for the first time to the whole world yes okay. and uh, we had an audience of around 300 people mm-hmm. and i could only sense jubilation in the room that's fantastic yeah okay. it was absolutely um, uh, people who said hey it's been done and others could also do it must be a moment of pride for you yeah uh, <laughs> uh, pride and also a sense of relief both <laughs> <laughs> okay and later um, i and my um, immediate superior in the competence center we started working with the german auto industry the vda okay mm-hmm. and the german standardization organization mm. the dean to get the german industry on board mm. for an iso standard mm. okay and this was also going side by side it was taking time and the argument given was remote attacks are still not possible okay but to help us um in 2016 uh, a remote attack was demonstrated that's fantastic okay and after that the industry mobilized itself and mm-hmm. they said fine yes now is time for an iso standard mm. they came out with their very first joint project the mm. uh, moe was signed the very first uh, iso sae 21434 or sae iso 21434 was automotive cyber security engineering fantastic okay. which covered uh, the entire product life cycle mm-hmm. from the conception till the vehicle is retired mm. 
yeah that life cycle was covered in the standard mm. and um um i worked on the standardization pro- uh, the standardization started in the november uh, year 2016 mm-hmm. and i uh, having uh, i wrote the new work item proposal for it mm-hmm. the proposal that goes into making an iso standard along with volkswagen mm-hmm. uh, bosch and volkswagen mm-hmm. wrote it mm-hmm. this is all the inside stories i don't know how many uh, know it okay. in public and then the standardization started mm-hmm. and um the in the year 2016 end 17 i got an offer from the unit back in india saying we want to build capability in this area would okay you, would you come back to hmm. india and take so it up? must have been a uh, difficult uh, transition for for you coming going to germany uh, from india mm-hmm. and then working there for 6 years uh, mm-hmm. trying to nurture your baby mm-hmm. and then uh, bringing it back into india after 6 years right mm-hmm. so um, what are some of the ch- challenges or problems and learnings that you had in this in this whole uh, process of trying to shift something that you've built in germany and then trying to bring it back into india i guess both the transitions were challenging mm-hmm. um um i had to leave my family and go Mm, um, we had our own i mean our own setup here mm-hmm. uh, our own way of doing things here you couldn't take the entire family and move to <laughs> germany when you do not even know what the end result is yeah. going to be you have just taken that decision so i had to move to germany all alone mm-hmm. i lived in germany for 6 years alone mm-hmm. uh, my family oh. was in india Yeah so uh, coming back was that way far easier because mm-hmm. oh, okay <laughs> you would okay come back to your uh, family okay but you would have to leave behind uh, whatever was of course i was in bosch yeah and there was some level of continuity over there mm-hmm. but uh, come back here and you would press a restart button <laughs> you would again come back to an environment yes. where nothing was known no one knows the subject you have to start oh, again okay. fresh mm-hmm. all over yeah. again <laughs> with all those question marks exclamation marks <laughs> around it mm. so yeah that was that was how it was so coming back was an easier uh, decision than uh, making Going that into... making that shift mm-hmm. um, staying back on that with resilience facing all the challenges in a resilient manner mm-hmm. till um, till we really came to an end of it hmm. and though it might look simple convincing everybody who came in about your idea uh, yes of course was not easy was at not at all easy so um, you were in a team uh, filled with researchers uh, also a woman on that on that team mm-hmm. and hmm. Uh, hmm. you at that point in time all didn't have too many women representation i have left my family behind mm-hmm. uh, no one there uh, there for me mm-hmm. but um you had to take care of your health you could take care of everything mm-hmm. and as i just started came into germany i was about about to go for my driver's license test <laughs> i injured my back mm-hmm. in one okay. of the team building activities okay. and i had to also lead those 6 years with extreme back pain oh. which was uh, which couldn't be attributed to any reason hmm. carry this through and you couldn't let it fall you had to finish <laughs> and then at a point where i thought okay now it's come to a shape i could hmm. i okay. could so what's yeah. your um, experience like building the whole team 
mm-hmm. uh, from the scratch and certainly uh, getting everyone on board here when no one knows uh, essentially the end goal and what you are trying to do mm-hmm. so how has uh, uh, i mean now you now that your team is almost people mm. how has your experience been right from uh, finding that first person first engineer that you could convince mm. and from there um, uh, to here mm-hmm. so how has your journey been so far in this um yeah by the time i came back um, the, there was the bosch scp mm-hmm. everybody had to know you had to comply to it mm-hmm. and you had to build competence mm. to address it so that part was set now the second challenge was to staff it mm. right and fortunately i had um, uh, one of our previous predecessors had uh, one colleague of mine he mm. was um, he was already on the task mm-hmm. and he was trying to do something in the automotive cybersecurity working with autosar etc mm. etc mm. so he became the very first team member fantastic okay from inside okay and um, a lot of um, um, contribution to growing this team also goes to the Mm-hmm. and he did uh, um a really uh, hard work mm-hmm. in the beginning and then we also one by one uh started getting in people who mm. were from the traditional cyber security they did not know anything about automotive okay. yeah. they had cyber security and embedded uh, skills okay. and uh, we had to give them the domain knowledge and make them uh, also switch over to this team mm-hmm. and at that point in time uh, finding people in industry with that knowledge was difficult of course and we wanted to build a team which would uh, work at a uh, cybersecurity is a system holistic topic mm-hmm. true true yeah and it's co- complex it is needed at every layer mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not something that you add on at the end yes and since we are going to be in a domain where it's where there are going to be resource constraints i explained all those yeah. uh, things to you yeah we really needed critical thinking skills mm. on the team mm. so we we went out and built a team which had um, a proportion of uh, phd's masters mm-hmm. and engineers mm-hmm. testers specialists mm-hmm. uh, an amalgamation of um, was built yeah. which could do the critical thinking research design develop and deliver Mm-hmm. yeah so we uh, picked people from defense oh we okay. picked people from academia mm-hmm. and we picked people from industry mm. and as we uh, started facing problems and solved started solving them we also started building universities and trainings and academia to train those who came mm. and joined us later mm-hmm. so that was the that was the uh, way we did it uh, but in the initial years uh, mine was a unique experiment i don't know how many had done this mm-hmm. yeah. before um melding the mindsets was not easy yeah. you had people yeah. coming from uh, three different disciplines and they were all built for their disciplines mm. to excel in their disciplines mm. in their own ways and work in some um, in one fashion and in not one nec- fashion not necessarily compatible with others Yes. Yeah, and everybody thought they were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the issue is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so bringing them together to yeah. uh, to one culture, mm-hmm. which is the Bosch culture, mm. uh, was uh, complex in the beginning. But slowly, I think now uh, there's a realization dawning in, and mm. um, that melding is. Uh, 
going on now mm-hmm. yeah and alongside we had to also build infrastructure mm. for example labs mm. we had to build our uh, socks mm-hmm. and we had to work on uh, and um, i'm not sure how many of our um, people inside be it bosch group mm. or outside mm-hmm. were convinced about our abilities mm. So it took the automotive field to start giving out work in this area three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right from the day we have started, mm-hmm. we have never had um, a bad P and L. We have earned as we have progressed. Good. Yeah. Good. So uh, we have built a team not alone for competence, mm-hmm. but a team which could sustain itself mm-hmm. and become mm-hmm. uh, invest in itself and grow and take up new challenges, mm-hmm. take up new research um, mm-hmm. as it uh, you know progresses. So that was the model that was employed uh, to build uh, competence. Okay. Yeah. So you've invested a lot of your time and effort into standardization, right? Mm. Could you share some anecdotes that you've learned along the way in in essentially um, in bringing ISO standard for automotive security? Um, anything on on the conferences that you may have held, that mm. you may have attended, and so on and so forth. Standardization was a topic uh, that was new to me, mm. but um, if you if you typically asked any expert around um, uh, very few would be interested to spend their time on standardization why is that so i don't know okay, okay. i don't know okay um i have heard um, i have met many experts both india and abroad mm-hmm. who do not particularly show any inclination to uh, standardization into, yeah mm-hmm. uh, they have a lot to i mean Came bring from- to the table mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had to do it because this was a natural flow of things. Mm, mm. Yeah. But um, when um, when I went through that experience, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. really understood um, uh, the importance of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not easy to bring uh, people who are looking at the elephant, various different parts of so the, the elephant. elephant uh, to and one you only table. see one side of it. Yeah. Or you have expertise in one. Okay. Fair enough, not an issue. Mm-hmm. So bringing them together, bringing people across the globe mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. Uh, have them talk on a subject, mm-hmm. build a consensus, mm-hmm. and word it in a manner that <laughs> all of them understand it exactly yeah. the same yeah. way that yeah. it has to be understood. Yeah. 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 So I felt that that process itself is uh, quite valuable to mm. whoever. whoever engages mm-hmm. in it and uh, we also see that um, if you really needed a standard in any as you, as i said we first started with mm. uh, what is it where is the standard on our information security mm. and privacy the very first standard we laid hands on was iso 27001 which was yeah. written produced by united kingdom mm-hmm. had maximum number of standardizations in japan mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, we also see that UK produces many standards. Mm-hmm. That uh, that most of us adopt. Most of us adopt. adopt. And that essentially shows you your strengths mm-hmm. in a certain area. Mm-hmm. So sure. you picked up a standard, you became a follower very, very next moment mm-hmm. of that 
uh, standard. And it also demonstrates uh, your excellence in so many topics. It demonstrates your confidence when you are able to put out a standard over there, Mm. which could establish a minimum set Mm -hmm. of rules, guidelines Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. anybody else could follow. To me, it uh, it is a very clear indication of your technical excellence. Mm. And I sincerely believe that Mm -hmm. um, we in India... Mm -hmm also mm-hmm. uh, should contribute to standards in a, in a bigger way than we are uh, we are doing now doing today mm-hmm. and second um, whatever knowledge you have it also gives you a very good sense of um, where are the bounds to your <laughs> <laughs> your abilities and your knowledge when you share and express it uh, with others mm. And you also get to know the problems others face, the, mm. uh, the issues that they have. So it improves your problem scale solving skills. Mm-hmm. And you're able to see um, various mm. angles of a problem mm-hmm. without get getting limited to one. To your perspective. Okay, so you've come back from Germany yeah. and then uh, you wanted to engage in this uh, standard development. Mm. Um, um, do you Did you have to travel back to Germany? Um, how easy that process has been for you? Very difficult, okay. to be frank. Um, I think over the last 200 or 300 years, uh, what we understand as the developed world or the Western world or whatever you want to call, mm-hmm. give the mm-hmm. name to it, there are certain institutions that are established by them. Mm-hmm. could be the university system, the standardization bodies, the bodies where they collaborate and mm-hmm. come, putting out papers, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, societies, yeah? which discuss a subject, come together and subject, discuss a subject. So most of those um, we are building up <laughs> here. <laughs> so in order to do this work together, they have very well established systems <laughs> and also systems through which they can easily travel from <laughs> one location to <laughs> another. <laughs> so uh, essentially they are in some way a block <laughs> And within that block, it's extremely easy for either of the citizens to move around. Move around yeah, I don't want to go into the rules of it. Okay, but Certainly. I had this special case that mm-hmm. I'm a citizen of India living in Germany. Mm-hmm. If I have to travel to United States, then I have to go to the local embassy there, mm-hmm. relevant for me, and I have to apply for mm-hmm. a visa. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately for me, what changed with me was the moment I said cybersecurity, mm-hmm. my visa application went into a different path. Oh, interesting. Where um, uh, you had to wait for one more month, okay. according to them, okay. for certain checks to be done. Okay. And unfortunately, in one case, uh, for before going to this Michigan conference, I applied for visa just before Christmas in November. Mm-hmm. Because of the Christmas uh, season, Fresh. it got delayed yeah. by... Two, three months? Two, three months. So you oh. always lived in the suspense whether you would really yeah. get your yeah. visa on time. Yeah. And I think for someone who's genuinely contributing right, yeah. to, to standardization and you need to be there. Yes. And essentially it's it's not an option. Um, if you don't go there, it's it's not a loss just for you professionally, but also a loss for the, the complete panel because yes. they would miss your perspective. Yes. And that's an, I think that's important thing um, um, to have the ability to, to, to freely travel. Freely travel. Um, at least for uh, professionals um, mm. who are genuinely contributing to the economy economies of other countries yes 
Right. And uh, we end up becoming a corner case. Right, right. We are not uh, the mass case. Mm. Yeah? And after I came back to India, I had to, uh, the standardization had picked up pace. Every quarter you would meet in, in some location. You mm. would meet one, one quarter in Japan, mm -hmm. one in Israel, one in um, some other location mm -hmm. of the world. So in all, for all of these, I had to go to these respective consulates, constantly keep on oh. applying. Mm. And um, I came, I lived in Germany for six years, um, almost lived that same life, paid my taxes, did mm. all of that. Mm. I come, come back to India in December. Mm -hmm. In March, I had the invitation to be on a panel discussion mm -hmm. where we had this 2016 um, car hack Oh, mm. experts mm. also. Achha, in the same panel as you. On the, on the same panel as me. I had an invitation for it. The mm -hmm. panel was published. It, it was going up and the, it was in March. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I come back to India. I've lived there for six years. Mm -hmm. um, I apply for again to the German consulate here. Mm -hmm. And I believe for three instances, mm -hmm. they don't give you a multiple entry visa. Oh, and I did get a visa on time to mm -hmm. travel back to Germany in that instance. Mm. So I had to skip the panel. Mm. Very unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Professional and personal loss. Yes. And no one knows about it. So it's mm. no one can help you with it. Mm. The moment you're, you're hit at a consulate, that's the end. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. There's no appeal. No one there's, has yes. any uh, authority to yeah. uh, Overrule them, yeah. So you let it go, mm. and I worked um, on the on the uh, standardization from 2016 to 2019, mm -hmm. um, leading content development teams. So mm. Essentially, the first section, the requirements uh, development, mm -hmm. <clears throat> applying for visas like this, mm -hmm. standing at every queue, mm -hmm. yeah. And managing it, managing also a team here mm -hmm. and its challenges. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so until the standard came to the FDIS stage, mm -hmm. FDIS stage, I worked on it. Later, I felt this was too much of an overhead on me and I said, mm. I can't do this anymore. Mm. I think that is why many people shy away from participating in standardization. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but... Um, I, as an individual, faced this challenge mm. and nobody could help me mm -hmm. out of it. Mm. And uh, being on the standardization, there was... Um, <clears throat> There was an opportunity that I could uh, I could host the ISO 21434 mm. Joint Working Group meeting mm -hmm. in India. Mm -hmm. um, I did it. Mm -hmm. I went ahead with it. Mm. Uh, the entire mm. team would come to India and have a discussion. Mm. So we had all of it set up. Mm -hmm. um, on the conference, all the hotel rooms, all everything booked. Everything booked, everything done. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Many of these people on standardization had no real idea of India. They had heard something here, something there. Yeah, the perception of India is, uh, I'm not sure if it is uh, good enough. Ah, um, good enough. So, um, so we had, um, uh, that was also a very good uh, way to bring them and mm -hmm. show them what really exists. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And the conversations just before I left India were like, Bangalore is developing really fast. We do not have enough hotels for mm -hmm. people who mm -hmm. come from abroad. <laughs> But when I went back and looked at hotels now, after mm. six years, what I found was absolutely amazing. Mm. The infrastructure had developed within mm. six years to mm. an extent. Uh, Mind-blowing kind of luxury, comfort, 
helipads inside the, <laughs> the hotels. Hotel. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. really blown off the feet. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, amazing yes, uh, yes. hospitality mm-hmm. standards you had. So uh, we had all of this set up. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to follow. There's a procedure that you have to follow where you have to inform the Ministry of uh, Home Affairs that you are conducting a conference like this, which will be attended by so and so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm from these, these, these countries mm-hmm. and they have to give a clearance. Mm-hmm. And the moment they give a clearance, mm-hmm. um, these people at various countries can apply that I'm going to this conference. Mm. Okay. So they had to get with. Now, uh, these panelists who are used to traveling freely within yeah. their zone mm-hmm. are suddenly faced with a situation where the wait for a conference that gets announced, apply for visas at Indian consulates, which are maybe far away from their homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to turn up at the conference. Mm. And um, so you, there's, there's certain checks that MHA does. So you you have them come over to your place, you know, really mm. check whether all of this is true. Happening. Uh, validate and then um, finally certify that you could do it. So between, um, we start organizing it one year in advance. Mm. So wow. till this point, mm. just 15 days before the conference, until then you have to live with a lot of suspense. Mm. Yeah. And not just for you as an organization but, organizer, but, but also for to all the of those delegates who want to come. Who want to come. Mm. And um, on our Bosch team, we had somebody similar to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he came from Pakistan. Okay. So he worked in Germany, but he had passport of Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And he was working on the standardization. He was mm. very keen to travel to India. <laughs> but this uh, this was an issue for us. Yeah. This was an issue for us. And many delegates do not see this as a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. It is not too free for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The freedom is not there and you're blocking somebody from not attending. Mm. So you have suspense whether you have delegates uh, from China. Can they get visa. visa to here? Mm. Can they get from Pakistan? Mm. The Chinese ones were very easily cleared, but the Pakistan one. Not so much. Okay. Not so much. So listening to the conversations that were going on behind, I understood that uh, this doesn't generate a good, a very positive uh, image. Mm. And when you see the MHA's um, questionnaire. questionnaire and pamphlets, the set of restrictions that they write, uh, you can't go to Northeast without this permit, some on, um, uh, Andaman and Nicobar without this permit, X, Y, Z all things which are not even relevant for your case. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah, but all of this, um, you have to carry on your shoulders. And though I had uh, absolutely great colleagues who Mm -hmm. came from a defense background who were trying to help me out with it. Mm. Yeah. Um, But still, it was was stressful. Mm. Time was stressful. Mm. And I too believe... um, Having seen the world the way I have seen, um, whatever India is today, mm-hmm. I see India is, as, as, as I told, uh, said to you about the hospitality industry, India is developing and evolving really fast. <laughs> and um, all of this doesn't get transported to the West through the media. Yeah, yeah. And some of the representations, I think the most recent that German cartoon that came out <laughs> is not really a representative of how 
my colleagues in bosch think mm-hmm. similarly a lot of media articles mm-hmm. published outside india mm-hmm. are not truly representative of india of the country yes they could be corner cases they yeah. could be they could be true in their own way but they are not clearly represent us as, as a whole yeah. yeah so the only way um and and the the societies the civilizations come up with an entirely different background the value systems are entirely different mm-hmm. there's nothing right and wrong you cannot sit and argue and settle it where we could really connect mm. and do much together is only doing much more business with each other mm. true true so because that that enable that that means more travel that means uh, more people get to know yeah, us as a country them, um, uh, there should be an opportunity for um, people to visit us to see to us to really make a uh, you know an impression for themselves and carry that impression back and talk to another 10 to 12 people and and uh, uh, coming from the industry I have no control over anything else mm-hmm. is the only thing i could perhaps mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. from my side mm-hmm. uh, to improve our perception mm-hmm. so if we have to scale up much faster than we are to, mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. Uh, we need to see that we go there with a global vision mm-hmm. enable interactions mm-hmm. enable mm-hmm. as much connect mm-hmm. uh, between people and business as possible as possible make these uh, you know uh, things easy of course india has done it by giving uh, e visa that you yeah. come to yeah yeah a lot of it is reduced but it's still not easy for us in the other direction true so yeah yeah Yeah. very rightly said uh, with that we'll uh, take a quick break uh, coffee break and then we'll be back very shortly yeah. we'll talk about one more visa issue <laughs> <laughs> sure okay we are back after the break it's been such an incredible conversation uh, with uh, priya and i i hope you are as, as excited as i am uh, to continue this discussion so uh, priya could you tell us if there are any more uh, visa challenges that you have faced um, in this in this journey so far um i would foresee a challenge uh-huh. it's also a challenge that we face, face at this point in time hmm. um we are 1.5 billion hmm. in population hmm. and um, there is demand for indian workers throughout the world it could be hmm. portugal it could be uh, spain it could be small countries mm-hmm. but their uh, ability to process visas is limited mm-hmm. the work permit comes uh, mm-hmm. say i have to set up a team and somebody mm-hmm. has to go from here mm-hmm. yeah so he gets his work permit mm-hmm. but he cannot get a, a slot for the visa interview mm-hmm. this is hanging for 6 months 7 mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. which delays everything for us mm-hmm. Mm. as a business mm. and uh, to circumvent this problem you mm. have players in the market mm. who exploit the situation oh okay very interesting use cases mm-hmm. how uh, on how um, you could um, you could come up with your own solutions for it through your jugard <laughs> which exploits both sides mm. yeah mm. i'm not sure if these consulates uh, they they are saying that they have an overload of applications mm. after covid but i do see this as being a problem of these backlogs at mm. these countries mm. Yeah so these are things that we as business cannot influence yes yes the Certainly. government has to step in 
Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. government um, in, um, intervention from the government side uh, will become um, crucial at mm. one point in time because after um, after a point, mm. no matter how big you are um, as a company, essentially mm. without government support, uh, there's mm. uh, some things that uh, you cannot do, mm. right? So, where do you see government helping uh, companies like uh, BGSW mm. or um, Academia for that matter mm-hmm. uh, to improve India's posture um, on on cybersecurity, um, on on productization of research, and so on and so forth. Um, a lot of um, areas where government could step in. Mm-hmm. One is uh, bringing um, industry, mm-hmm. academia mm. together mm. through standardization. Mm-hmm. And wherever we have gone to um, uh, work on standardization, mm. I do really see. I don't. I do do not really see that sort of openness and trust mm-hmm. where uh, between academia and industry, academia, industry, and government. Government. Okay. Yeah, mm. and also we fall into the category broadly of GICs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, global. Uh, companies mm-hmm. of this nature. So where does our government stand mm. in with regard to in, including us on, you know, standards for India and also the innovations uh, that we could bring in mm. and the innovations that we could take out mm. to the rest of the world. Mm. Uh, it's not very clear. Maybe there are suspicions that, okay, the private players could game the system. So you have, you keep them at an arm's length, but mm-hmm. you still involve them. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not really fruitful. Mm-hmm. And the GICs also bring a lot of, um, uh, you would say, knowledge, mm-hmm. which is not current in India. For example, automotive functional safety. Mm-hmm. We can uh, we consult, uh, we have a consulting team that consults mm-hmm. the rest of the globe for it, but we don't do much in India. Right. Our right. standards are really um, uh, not really not par. Evolved. Yeah with the world. Hmm. Similarly for cybersecurity and automotive. Hmm. So our standards for Indian OEMs themselves. Hmm. Indian OEMs follow international standards. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Right? Hmm. So um, I don't know where this needs to be tied, hmm. but there has to be a deeper introspection on that topic. Hmm. What we hear from standardization is that Indian OEMs are not ready for mm. taking in requirements of this nature into safety or in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. But you do see that Indian OEMs who want to export. Mm-hmm. They have to follow. They follow international standards. Yes, and there should not be a problem following them for Indian market as well. <laughs> yeah. I do not know. <laughs> okay. So these are, uh, you would need to do some pipe cleaning. You need to mm. check around to see mm. uh, where the reality really lies. Mm. Hmm. See, a lot of uh, um, challenges uh, or um, come from the geopolitical things that you have, you Mm. as a company has no control over, right? Mm. Be it supply chain issues or um, the wars between the country, Mm -hmm. um, geopolitics play a huge role in Mm. in how we operate as businesses um, and certain net posh. Mm -hmm. So where do you see um, the government of India helping us geopolitically in, um, for example, taking some of uh, the existing products globally or setting up standards that can be adopted globally and so on and so forth? And also probably uh, helping with the visas and whatnot. Yeah, the visa topic we discussed uh, fully. Currently, some challenges that we face um, is with regard to the export control Mm -hmm. regulations. Mm -hmm. They are made for a particular reason Mm -hmm. and they're Mm -hmm. rightly there. So 
in these countries. They also regulate the movement of cryptographic material. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, going forward, um, most of the products in consumer space mm -hmm. is going to have cryptographic. Yes, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Maybe governments do not want too much privacy, but private players need privacy. And to ensure privacy, you would you would create uh, regulations which which want safe harbors mm. and in case I'm protecting them through cryptography, you mm -hmm. would require, you know, the master keys, the root keys, mm -hmm. all within a certain uh, geography. So all of this create challenges mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. us. So uh, maybe I have a very good team which could test your devices. Mm. But if they have to be shipped shipped from abroad mm -hmm. to India, mm -hmm. they would require additional clearances mm -hmm. because they have cryptographic material mm -hmm. on them, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And now if I will come next to you. I'll sit next to you in, mm. and I will test your device. Mm. I have a problem with the Indian government. Uh, I mean, I have a problem with the Polish consulate, you know, having a huge backlog on giving, um, <laughs> you know. Visas for... Visas. So all these are uh, restrictions that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, mm. and we do not have workarounds on them. Mm. So mm. that uh, I would fundamentally think that uh, the standardization scene definitely needs to improve, mm. and we know, we need to know very clearly as to where we are welcome to contribute and mm. uh, what can we do, what we cannot do, and mm -hmm. what should be our levels of engagement. Mm -hmm. And we would definitely like to engage. Mm. And we would like to work alongside mm. uh, for the betterment of um, country as a whole. Country as a whole, mm. and also to be able to solve global problems, mm. and to be able to take uh, good solutions across mm. across the world. Why not? Mm. So, as you are rightly saying, right, we make a lot of technology for the world and mm. not necessarily adopt it. Mm. Obviously, there are some technologies that we make ourselves and essentially ship it um, to the globe as well. Mm. For example, UPI can be a very good mm, example, yeah. right? So, um, so where do you see um, essentially uh, UPI going global mm. will improve the perception um, of India? Uh, and mm. I feel our uh, DPI, digital public infrastructure, um, is a lot more mature, uh, even even um, um, compared to some of the Western um, mm. Western countries, right? Mm. So where do you see India, Indian government playing a, um, a role in mm -hmm. uh, improving the the image of India as a whole? Mm -hmm. um, specifically in the technology and cybersecurity areas? The question is largely of perception. Hmm. True. Okay. And the question is also of um, areas where you, where you are seen to possess... Hmm. Um, Capabilities. Capabilities. Right. For example, uh, UPI and ONDC that you're mm -hmm. talking about is clearly a big revolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, setting up um, a digital economy based mm. on money transactions is mm. a very big um, step forward yes. uh, that India has taken, which I, I'm also seeing that the world is recognizing it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But coming to a setup like Bosch, mm. Yeah. Mm. So what are our challenges? Mm. Um, today we have a very big issue with um, getting chips. Yeah. Yeah. With the supply chain. Supply chain. Yes. Yeah. So um, where does India stand on that? Mm. 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 Yeah. Can we help them scale at this point in time? No. Mm. Not much can we 
do over there. Right. And two instances I already talked about: automotive functional safety mm. and uh, cyber security. There are these are cases; these are instances from where mm. you could pick up from Bosch, mm. than ship from India. Mm. But there could be an area like post quantum crypto. Right. 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 Yeah, and post quantum crypto for resource constrained systems. Mm. Mm could be an area which is still emerging on which we could walk together mm, mm. or evolve uh, together. Mm. And there's big another initiative that uh, I and my team are working mm-hmm. on, fundamentally re-looking, re-looking at programming languages that we use to write right. safety-critical systems. Right, right. Yeah? right. Um, uh, we are betting on Rust, yes. which is a safe programming language, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. and we are fighting also within uh, inside the Bosch world mm-hmm. for uh, you know, presenting presenting to the automotive industry the advantages of a language Rust. Uh, like Rust, which, uh, you know, uh, which safe. can majorly bring down those uh, vulnerabilities, those mm. memory-related um, issues, if mm. adopted. Mm. There are challenges. Mm. But yes, there are things that we cannot anymore walk together on, mm-hmm. but there are clearly areas where we can walk together further on. To me, today, it's a black box as to what the Indian startup ecosystem and the government is doing on the post-quantum crypto. Maybe you're innovating, you're doing great things, but it's not visible to me. Mm. I'm also not on your panels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, interaction of that sort with openness and trust, wherever mm. that's possible, mm. I'm sure is going to benefit both sides. Mm. We're doing something as a small team inside Bosch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different from you have the backup from an entire community. Mm. Mm. Right? Mm. See, a, a lot of um, um, the products, cutting-edge products, we mm. believe, needs a cutting-edge research, mm. right? A few, um, you've interacted with uh, a lot of professors of sorts, essentially probably absorbed some of the research, mm-hmm. right? Um, so do you see um, India building better products, uh, let's say five years, 10 years down the lane mm. by absorbing research that is coming out of uh, the academia? Mm. Or uh, or do you feel that, uh, you know, startups should probably are better off adopting, let's say, uh, the products from from you or from, from BGSW or, or, or global players? Mm-hmm. Or do you think it's better for them to engage with researchers and then essentially... Uh, uh, depends. The mm. answer is depends. Mm. Um, I, I engaged for some time in the drone ecosystem mm-hmm. um, uh, and I was really impressed with the kind of work that was coming out mm-hmm. through uh, Indian defense startups mm-hmm. and the Indian drone tra- uh, startups. Unfortunately, that's not an area that uh, Bosch is in. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is com- something that's completely with this uh, current ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And the last time I came to DSCI and took a look at the stalls, mm-hmm. to the stalls that I see today, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a major quantum leap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really seeing the Indian ecosystem uh, maturing in building products. Mm-hmm. And also uh, technology, I'm still not, I would still keep away from it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still don't have that sort of a visibility. Mm-hmm. But I do see a very big uh, shift um, mm. in building products. Um, for at a glo- for one very good example is Zoho. Mm. It's a company I yes. really admire. Yes, yes. So uh, building products that mm. the world could buy, mm-hmm. but technology I would still keep myself behind. Yes, yes. But uh, with um, uh, with these agencies, all of these 
pitching together <laughs> why shouldn't we also not uh, be there in crafting new technologies um uh, definitely we can also <laughs> look at new <laughs> new technologies <laughs> uh, a very fascinating field uh, that's opening up is the fundamentals of computing <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, distributed computing mm. and quantum computing and mm. the way computing happens inside the vehicle is going to change mm. Mm. yeah so what are the technology pieces that need to come in mm. to all this mm. so this could come out of a collaborative work mm. certainly in automotive um uh, two wheelers um the industry mm. i think i believe india is um on the forefront yes, of innovation correct. um i'm not sure i'm on the four wheeler industry mm -hmm. but um, uh, product um, from a complete product wise mm. i think we have uh, for example the likes of ether mm. um the likes of ola even though it's uh, it's an european design but it has been beautifully adopted and mm. into an indian context right so i personally see a lot of uh, products um, mm -hmm. coming out mm -hmm. maybe not completely to start off with maybe not completely full products that are indigenous mm -hmm. but uh, slowly but surely a lot of uh, products um, will be indigenization mm -hmm. but do you feel um, that uh, we have a market that uh, that can be served Mm -hmm. uh with indigenous products um mm -hmm. essentially the likes of china uh, they most of their market is served primarily by indigenous um uh, products and solutions mm. do you see um india as a country adopting uh, the indigenous products or do you feel as more like a global um user base that uh, that um, that likes to have a lot of global products um, uh, there are two parts to this because the question is really interesting mm. uh, let me tell you uh, there are three examples samples that i want to give you mm -hmm. have to bear with me for mm -hmm. that sure um one part is um, we are a big country we have many problems right which are all opportunities for mm -hmm. us to resolve mm -hmm. and um, there are many sectors where there are inefficiencies mm -hmm. and those could be uh, resolved mm -hmm. so these could be um, there could be a set of products which mm -hmm. are particularly suited to mm -hmm. our environment mm -hmm. and our context mm -hmm. and uh, they could be large used at a large scale mm, mm, mm. here and the second um, <clears throat> category of products that i see mm. <clears throat> i'll give you my own instance the mm -hmm. phone that i carry the mm -hmm. cell phone that i carry is a lava phone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh okay yeah and um, today i have a problem even getting a cover for it in any of the cell phone shops mm -hmm. unless i order it on amazon mm yeah most of the covers that are sold are sold for samsung mm. or they're sold for redmi mi that or the iPads. iphone you could be making your products mm. alava is quite good i really like using that phone mm -hmm. it has supported me but there is an aspirational aspect of india mm. which would perhaps choose an ipad over a lava <laughs> True. True. So, Priya, where do you see automotive um, security as a, as an um, as a industry heading in in mm -hmm. the Indian context? Mm -hmm. Because uh, uh, I think India is uh, uh, is uh, taking huge steps in electrifying most of our vehicles, mm -hmm. um, and essentially that changes the way that we look at uh, vehicle security, right? Because you have a lot more connected vehicles on the road, and lot more difficult problems, and then, uh, for mm -hmm. example, something like 
uh, unconnected car or unconnected by um, bike so so essentially where uh, do you see uh, the problems um, that automotive um, the um, the, uh, the community as a whole will face in terms of security and and what should be doing to address those things in yeah, the, the next five years traditional complexity of um, ic electric car yeah. comes down drastically with the electrical hmm. one because the number of components you are going to use on the electric vehicle are far less hmm. and i see within the indian context there's a heavy demand for electric vehicles hmm. people are waiting not to buy the traditional ones to move to the ic <laughs> um we uh, we do certain see certain challenges but largely we see certain risks in mm. being able to connect to the charging infrastructure mm, 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 mm. charging infrastructure payment those this is a very well understood uh, problem with mm. um, cyber security mm. so from cyber security standpoint um uh, we essentially look at securing this path mm-hmm. to be uh, one of the biggest um challenges we have also looked at many ways uh, in which this payments and all of this could be handled mm. uh, for mm. the mm. charging se- mm. sector so connected to that is also this issue of critical infrastructure mm. and what mm. is so they all of that mm. comes together mm. but if you um, um if you uh, really look at um cyber security challenges mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. um within the vehicle mm-hmm. i would think that we are largely set the base that is needed mm-hmm. to do this better mm-hmm. next time we might have to unlearn certain things mm-hmm. but otherwise we are in a very good position mm-hmm. to uh, bring in cyber security at every layer mm-hmm. um, in the in the upcoming other modern Mm. vehicles mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so for someone who just wants to get started in the automotive um, industry or automotive security as a whole mm-hmm. right so what are um, some of your advices that you would give uh, to someone for example who's a 20 year old kid who just wanted to get into mm-hmm. automotive domain mm-hmm. so where should one start um, the, to to even enter into this domain and what should they learn uh, to so you want um, to look at a 12 year kid 20 year old 20 20 year 21 old. Okay. Okay, fine. Sort of um, a basic knowledge. Um, you could start with the cybersecurity domain, mm-hmm. and I see many uh, many auto enthusiasts in India. So there are many who are really interested in mm-hmm. cars and vehicles. So that natural interest, you could develop it into understanding the domain. And we Bosch and um, the Bila Institute of Technology, Bits mm-hmm. Hyderabad, mm-hmm. we have jointly collaborated to come out with a postgraduate diploma in automotive cybersecurity. Wow. Okay. Yeah, the course is slated to begin this September. Okay. And um yeah, it's a postgraduate diploma. That's right. You you could do your basic uh, engineering and then uh, take this mm-hmm. course and we also have set up an industry collaboration mm-hmm. that uh, you could um, mm-hmm. you could get um positioned in the automotive uh, cyber security industry mm. immediately after that course mm. so looking at the uptake for this course and how this one goes we want to spread this further mm. fantastic within the indian ecosystem bring iits and premier institutes into it and also bring tier 1 tier 2 uh, i mean institutions 
into it. And we, on our side, uh, we speak to, we go to many colleges and uh, go to professors. We talk about this topic, mm-hmm. generate interest mm-hmm. in this topic. Mm-hmm. And also, um, uh, there are many colleges where we have uh, set up electives on mm-hmm. cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And also, also in the other, other topics related to automotive, it could mm-hmm. be energy Mm. Uh, related electrification mm. related mm. but this course is already available in india mm-hmm. is i guess it's the first one in india mm-hmm. and perhaps in the world wow okay so um that's something that one could straight away that's fantastic that's uh, fantastic and it's only joining. one month from now yes look at joining mm. okay see um Cybersecurity um, uh, on an industry level, we mm-hmm. see um, uh, some women um, in, in this domain, mm-hmm. certainly a lot less women in the leadership uh, roles, right? Um, in automotive um, industry, automotive security industry, I see um, that is a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. the, it's uh, the inclusion of women in the leadership uh, levels are uh, a lot higher compared mm-hmm. to uh, okay. other domains, right? So, um, what should um, what should the government or us as an industry as a whole do to to have more diversity, uh, at least on the leadership levels, and uh, to bring more more women uh, into this domain more. More, more women to the leadership roles and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, more women into leadership roles. That's a tough uh, topic. Mm. Um, I wouldn't take the women, but I would in general take leadership. Mm. Yeah. So uh, there is um, there's always more need for leadership mm-hmm. at every level, mm. not alone in industry, mm-hmm. but also at mm-hmm. a community level. Mm-hmm. And uh, women essentially uh, need to be given, number one is the basic education Mm -hmm. and equity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That is seeing to it that they're kept integrated during their various life situations. Mm. Yeah. And the third is the confidence to lead. Do you see that happening in the next five, ten years? Yeah, definitely is. Okay. Um, um, I see many bright women on my team. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure in the next five to ten years, they're going to be somewhere leading. Different verticals. Something somewhere, yes. Okay, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Okay, Priya, would you, uh, throughout this journey, right, you had uh, such an incredible journey of 25 years in the IT uh, industry, out of which 18 years in, in uh, automotive security domain, um, set up essentially uh, the automotive security in, in India, certainly at Bosch, but also shaped this industry on a, on a global level and then uh, participated in standardizations and are keen to uh, to engage in capacity building activities mm-hmm. by working with Bitspilani mm-hmm. um, and uh, um, so, can you share us the key moment, what, what, key moments in this journey? What are, what has been your experience so far? The good, the bad, um, things that you would uh, that you would want someone who's just starting out right now mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. Right? Could you share some of those with us? Okay, um, the central um, the central piece of all of it is to. How you get there, I do not know, mm-hmm. but you have to believe in yourself. Mm. There are going to be moments mm-hmm. 
if you are that person who would um, who would want to change who would want to say see change around you so you have to become that change uh, very well said that's that's really important mm-hmm. and in order to do that uh, you have to believe in what you see mm-hmm. and you have to cultivate that internal strength resilience to carry yourself mm. through mm. all those hurdles that are going to crop up on your path mm-hmm. and you have to learn to be extremely patient to mm-hmm. deal with um, mindsets mm-hmm. extremely patient in gaining trust mm-hmm. in being able to establish an open communication between people between cultures mm-hmm. yeah between, very important between various levels mm-hmm. yeah um i would think that the central piece of all of this is is that sort of a belief and confidence yourself in within yourself that you are able to build a culture of open and trust openness and trust around you mm-hmm. and you transmit this confidence further mm-hmm. so unless um so essentially what i'm trying to say is the success in the external world uh, depends a lot on the internal Um, the success in the internal world yes. precedes the success of the external, external world. world and in our culture the success in the out- external world is called vijaya mm-hmm. and the success the self conquest or the self realization of potential is called jaya mm. so jaya has to be the very first the foundation foundation so that that vijaya yeah that's very well said um, yeah. priya So with that, uh, I can't thank uh, enough, um, Miss mm-hmm. Priya, for uh, coming all the way, taking uh, time off her busy schedule to share her incredible journey with us. It's been an incredible. I have I've had such a fantastic time getting to know her as a person mm-hmm. uh, throughout this process, and and it, it's 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 so inspiring for me to to hear her, uh, you know, um, break into things, break break those glass ceilings, um, and. then trying to do um, things on her own uh, with little to no help and trying to shape the automotive uh, industry um, on 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 a global level mm-hmm. and then i can't wait to see uh, what you would do in the next 5 10 years so it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor for you for for us to have you on on so thank you so much uh, priya for your time thank you um, sincerely uh, data security council of india for giving me a platform to express my views and when we first discussed you wanted this discussion to be as candid as possible <laughs> so i have kept up with my traditional style of being straightforward and <laughs> quite candid yeah. and second i am extremely thankful to bosch for having believed in me mm-hmm. and though i did face quite a few challenges there was always somebody in the relay race mm-hmm. who handed out the next opportunity to mm-hmm. me place that trust and faith in me mm-hmm. so all my supervisors and colleagues around me who have um, who have played their part mm. i really thank them for the from the bottom of my heart yeah yeah so uh, this this these many journeys with bosch have been really i mean fruitful and um, it's a great great place to work that yeah so using that as an anchor we would like to transform yeah Certainly, I see uh, uh, during the last um, three four days of interact interaction with uh, many people, not necessarily in Bosch, but uh, people uh, from outside. Uh, I've got to know how much uh, Bosch contributed to. 
to not just to cyber um, the mm. automotive security mm. side of things mm. but mm. um on different engineering um, yeah. levels to yes. to india yes. it's phenomenal to see yeah boss bosh himself is an amazing personality yeah. and though we are not a cyber security major we mm. don't make cyber security products but we have also been pioneering in that field right, right. yeah right. and we really went after what we believed was right yeah at that point in time invested resources got people together and put in fantastic. our best it's fantastic so thank you so much uh, priya yeah. for your time Thanks, i appreciate Deja. it and i thank all of you for uh, spending your uh, time with us today thank you and have a good one bye bye